David O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Tuesday, June 8th, 2021. Stand up for your country. Um, big reaction to uh, the announcement yesterday about President Trump and I going on the road to discuss his uh, administration's history. And I'm going to tell you about that at the end of the program. Um, let's go to President Biden's schedule today. Put that up on the uh, screen. Uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing on the schedule. So I have some suggestions uh, for uh, Mr. Biden. And maybe you want to go shopping with Jill. Um, that, that might be fun. Uh, you might want to go to BillOReilly.com and get great stuff. Good column on Tom Hanks the history guy, videos um, of me doing what I do. Uh, that could give you a couple of hours right there, BillOReilly.com, or maybe yoga. You know, um, you got a lot of time in the White House to bring in the yoga people and it can do this kind of stuff. And stretching is always good for, you know, we senior citizens, but um, the president had nothing on his uh, schedule today. Uh, Vice President Harris in Mexico City, I'm going to cover what she accomplished tomorrow. I want to let this whole thing um, develop in Guatemala and Mexico City, and tomorrow will be a better uh, time to analyze uh, when all the facts are in. So the real lead story today is this January 6th report. Remember, uh, my take on this was it was one of the worst things in American history where on January 6th, a group of people decided to break into the Capitol and intrude on our elected leaders. So there is no excuse for this. Um, People who make excuses for it are misguided. This was awful. And we need to find out what the deuce happened, right? Okay, back to me. Um, So there uh, was a... uh, I don't know if it's an investigation, but there, there was a fact-gathering done by two committees in the Senate, the Homeland Security and Governmental Comparison Committee and the Rules and Administration Committee, okay? And a bipartisan but Democrat-led because they are the majority in the Senate with uh, Vice President Harris as a tiebreaker. So the report is 127 pages long, and I want to give you the keys without any spin at all. All right. I'm not and I don't spin anyway, but I'm not giving you any opinion. These are the conclusions that uh, these two Senate committees came up with. First one is um, the report does not mention Donald Trump's involvement and does not describe the events of January 6th as an insurrection. That word is not used. There is no accusation toward Donald Trump. Second. Capitol Police intelligence officers knew as early as December 21st that protesters planned to bring guns and other weapons to Washington, D.C. and perhaps use them. So on December 21st, um, Capitol Police Intel knew. The Capitol Police itself, the organization itself, and they are the ones that protect the Capitol, they knew that protesters were sharing maps of the campus online and discussing the building's best entry points and how to seal them off to trap lawmakers inside. So we know now that there was a plan in place to assault the Capitol. Four, the report criticizes the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, noting that neither group published an intelligent bulletin before the attack warning of any of this. 
So the FBI had to know this, and they didn't say anything. That's Christopher Wray, who, you know, at this point, I think we can all agree, should not be the head of the FBI. He shouldn't. Okay. Next, the intelligence arm of Capitol Police disseminated security assessments labeling the threat of violence remote to improbable, even though they knew that there were protesters coming armed. That doesn't make any sense at all. So who's ever in charge of the Capitol Police intel has got to be fired right away. All right. The local D.C. police, all right, they broke down completely when called. They were not able to respond. Why? That's Mayor Muriel, whatever her name is. All right. Why? So you call the police, 911, nobody shows. And the seventh thing is the report falls to slow mobilization of the National Guard. This is a labyrinth that you can't possibly get into. But the Guard was ready to come in and did not. It's a mess. So I have said many times, I don't want Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer in charge of anything when it comes to January 6th, because essentially those two are not honest people. And I mean, you can disagree with me, but I don't see them as honest people. All they care about is power and to amass power for their party, the Democrats. They don't care what the truth is or what really happened or who's at fault. So when you hear, oh, this investigation by Congress and the Republicans don't want it and the Democrats do, just know that the reason the Republicans don't want it is they know the fix is in that any investigation by the entire Congress will be used to batter the Republican Party and President Trump. Now, this committee thing that I just told you about, that doesn't seem to have been that way, but it's a much smaller outfit. So my posture, and I think it's sane and fair, is to allow the federal government, the Justice Department, to do what it is doing right now. So about 465 people have been arrested and charged in the Capitol riot, 465. That's a lot. Now, let that play out, okay? Because most of these people will plead guilty and they'll make deals. Like they won't go to jail, but they'll tell you how they knew or where they got the gun or where, you know, whatever it may be. Let all that unfold, okay? The Justice Department is compiling this. I would say 80% at least are going to take deals and they'll be convicted of whatever crime they're charged with. But in the process of that, the Justice Department will get information from the perpetrators themselves. Okay. Once you've got that baseline of information, if there are gaps that we don't know about, then Congress comes in. Is that fair? Does that make sense to everybody? So you take as much politics out of it. You're never going to take all the politics out of it. They have a congressional hearing. It's going to be Republicans against Democrats. Trump is the devil. Trump did this. Trump did that. You know what it's going to be. And the networks are salivating over this because their ratings are just imploding. They have nothing to give you. Nothing. All right. And this would bump them up again. So they want that badly. Anyway, that is the sane way to deal with one of the worst things. And believe me, I'm not exaggerating this. You cannot have mobs attacking the nation's capital. And the people who organize that or behind that should go to prison for many years. Okay, 
Barack Obama is back. Why he's back, I don't know. I've been trying to find out. Why is Barack Obama doing press at this point in history? Is it to give Joe Biden cover? He's got the book, okay, A Promised Land, did very well. Did better than killing the mob. Sold more copies than killing the mob. So he did very well, Barack Obama. And it's been in paperback for a while. So why is he out on the circuit? I don't know. I I can't find out. Anyway, he gives an interview to the Jewish Insider newspaper on June 7th. All right. In that interview, he says, quote, I said that the seeds that gave rise to the Holocaust have always been with us. They have found root across cultures, faiths and generations. They have reemerged again and again, especially in times of change and uncertainty. When I gave that speech, it was clear that anti-Semitism was on the rise around the world. People's anger over everything from immigration and inequality was boiling over, and many of them were looking for someone else to blame. And for four years, we had a president in the White House who fanned those flames, Barack Obama. Well, he, he's, I don't understand that. So he's equating dissatisfaction in America with the political climate to anti-Semitism. It has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with persecuting Jews. Nothing. And if you compare Barack Obama's record to President Trump's record, as far as Israel is concerned, it's not even close. Israel did not like Barack Obama. The government of Israel didn't like him. They felt he was hurting Jews. Whereas Trump was celebrated and is celebrated in Israel. So what what is he talking about? I don't know. Then he goes on CNN. And this is an amazing soundbite. Roll it. I also think that there are certain right-wing media venues, for example, that monetize and capitalize on stoking the fear and resentment of uh, a white population that is witnessing a changing America and seeing uh, demographic changes and, and do everything they can to give people a sense that um, uh, their way of life is threatened and that people are trying to take advantage of them. He's talking about the right wing conservatives. Now, I'm not big on whataboutism. I don't justify bad behavior by pointing to other bad behavior. That's fifth grade stuff. It's called what about ism. But this, I can't get away from it. So Barack Obama is saying that some on the right are monetizing fear and resentment of white people. That's true. That is happening some places, but very, very small places. What is happening in reality is that far left corporate media is stoking fear and resentment among black people and other minorities. Does Barack Obama not know that? To a much greater extent, to an extent where people are being killed. Where people are being killed. Where people are attacking the police. Does he not know that or see that? Is he totally blind? So, okay, there are far-right conservative media people that demonize left-wingers to try to mobilize whites. Yes, it happens, but not nearly as much or as visible as the corporate media. CNN is the worst, and he's on CNN. 
He could have just as easily said that and then turned to Anderson Cooper and said, and you guys do it too on the other side. So I'm disappointed in Mr. Obama. Very much so. Not being honest. Those two sound bites, that sound bite and that full screen I just showed you, that's dishonest what he's doing. Vaccine. Okay, so an Axios poll. Yeah, but I have to show you because it's interesting. It asked um, 1,027 adults. All right, do you support or oppose having to show proof of COVID vaccine? Net support, 52%. Opposed, 47%. Very close. Okay. Do you uh, support or oppose dining in a restaurant having to show the vax card? Okay. 47 support. Opposed, 52. Vacation at a hotel. 60% support. 38% opposed. Travel on an airline. Support, 63. Opposed, 35. Attend a sporting event. Support 56, oppose 43. Okay, so most Americans, according to this poll, uh, do want vaccinated people when they're in crowds to be able to come and go freely, whereas non-vaccinated people don't. Interesting, right? So I have a friend who's an anti-vaxxer, and uh, he doesn't believe the vaccine has caused COVID to drop. It's incredible. He's a smart guy. And no matter what I give him, the stats are astounding, you know, since the vaccine got in. And that's Donald Trump. America's COVID problem has cratered, whereas in India, Canada, other countries, they don't have the vax. Japan. Through the roof still. But no matter what I do, this guy's not going to give the vax any credit. Fine. I, it's not, it doesn't affect our friendship. I make fun of them, but I've always made fun of them. Okay. But I know what the mentality is that people don't want to get to vax and they're going to make every excuse in the world not to get it. However, you have a right not to get the vax, but you're going to pay a price for it unless you live in Texas, but you'll still pay a price. Uh, and Texas passed a law, Senate Bill 968. That says business cannot require a COVID vax before providing services. All business. Now, under the Constitution, if you're a small business, you have a right to say, no, you can't come in without a vax card or a mask or whatever they want to do. But Texas says, no, if you do that, you're going to be denied state contracts or operating permits. I think this law is unconstitutional, but Texas is doing it. And I think Florida did something similar as well. Um, so this controversy, this is the offshoot of uh, most of us are going to be free of COVID uh, this summer. I'm not wearing a mask now. Okay, I don't wear it. And anybody tells me I have to, including my church, done. I'm not going to do it. Uh, if I go on an airliner, I have to do it because I have to get somewhere. But that's it. And this is going to be an ongoing story. So you remember the colonial pipeline and the extortionists blackmailing it, hacked in, shut the pipeline down, gas shortage on the East Coast for a little while. So apparently um, U.S. law enforcement, 
I guess that's the FBI, but they're keeping very quiet about how they did this, has recovered 2.3 million from the cyber criminals in Bitcoin. So the group that did this is called Dark Side. It's believed to be a Russian-based criminal organization. So the FBI got $2.3 million back. They don't say how. $4.4 million was paid on May 8th. Okay? So this is good news. But the better news would be Congress passing a law that says if you attack the infrastructure of the United States in a cyber way, okay, we're going to declare you a terrorist. And bad things can happen to you very, very quickly. That's the way it should be handled. Um, a global sting, this is fascinating, global sting uh, developed by the FBI has led to the arrest of 800 people in 18 countries, all organized crime members. Okay, so this is like killing the mob part two. Um, it was called Operation Trojan Shield. So the FBI put undercovers into the social media in 18 months. They provided all kinds of surveillance, 300 gangs involved. And as I said, 800 people arrested, 32 tons of drugs confiscated. So cybercrime is the crime of the future. Can't kill anybody, but you can do pretty much everything else on cybercrime. San Francisco needs the FBI in there. City's totally collapsed. And I've said this many times, one of the most beautiful cities on this earth. So San Francisco is a population of about 850,000 and falling. Rents are out of control, but people cannot go out of their homes in the city by the bay because thugs are running wild. They're everywhere. Drug, ad drug addicts in particular, everywhere. The streets are full of waste. Uh, children are watching the most heinous things go on right before their eyes. People are sleeping on your front stoop and nothing is being done about it. Crime is up in almost every category. Human sex trafficking in San Francisco up 20 percent. This time as compared to last year, this time, I mean, this is this is a city that has lost all supervisory capacity. There is no quality of life left in San Francisco. It's stunning. It's like Portland, Oregon. So, but that's a different thing because Antifa has ruined that city. But, the, but if you, I, I mean, I've been to San Francisco 20, 25 times. Always had a great time there. I was there a couple of years ago. Okay. And it was bad, but it wasn't this. And the reason this is happening is the DA is named Chesa Bodine. His mother and father were in the Weather Underground in the 1960s. The Weather Underground committed murders. So Chesa Bodine was elected, all right, and he's now facing a recall petition, but he's elected in 2019. He simply isn't prosecuting crimes. You can steal under $1,000 in San Francisco, and this guy won't prosecute you. What do you think's happening? CVS and Walgreens, they're all pulling out. It's an armed camp. I mean, this is like what happens in the third world when there's a dictator who has no control over anything. That's in San Francisco. OK, you guys elected him. You guys who live out there put in this far left progressive apparatus. You guys deserve what you're getting. 
But I feel sorry for the children. That's what I feel sorry for. And while we're on the uh, crime scene, I'll give you an update on killing the mob. Five weeks out, about 250,000 copies sold, quarter of a million. It'll be uh, number one on the New York Times list this coming Sunday again. We thank you all for supporting the book. The reason that Killing the Mob is doing so well is it accurately portrays organized crime. They are evil people, and we back it up. And it's also got amazing stories that you have never heard. So anyway, that made me think about uh, the Godfather movies and the television program The Sopranos. And one of the stars of, this, uh, of The Sopranos, a guy named Steve Sharippa, you may be seeing him on Blue Bloods now. That's uh, probably the best show on TV, Blue Bloods. But anyway, you remember him. And this week is the anniversary of the last episode of The Sopranos in 2007, this week. Now, Steve uh, has a podcast, Talking Sopranos, along with another uh, actor, Michael Imperioli, who is also in the program, and he's also got an upcoming book, Woke Up This Morning, The Definitive Oral History of the Sopranos. And Mr. Sharippa joins us now from Laguna, California, where he is living large, no pun intended. <laughs> How you doing, Steve? Good, haven't buddy. Seen you in a while. I haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, we usually uh, commiserate at the Knicks games. Um, <laughs> now, the impression that worldwide people have of the mob a lot of it is your fault you gandolfini and all you guys are so good at what you do that it almost brings a sympathy to organized crime am i wrong you know i don't think so bill you know listen i grew up around that you know uh those guys and they are bad people and they do bad things not to not just to each other uh some people out there seem to think it's a joke. Uh, you know what I mean? They, they think to, to emulate or act like a mobster, it's like a joke. You know, kind of, I, I don't get it, that they're not real characters, they're not real people, they're cartoons. What I do think about The Sopranos, it is a slice of Italian-American life that needed to be told. I don't think it was glorified. It's just very real. The mob does exist in America and around the world. And I think David Chase, who's Italian himself, and most of the actors were, needed to tell this story. I mean, this is okay. real. It happened. All right, so now when you do your podcast uh, with Imperioli, um, what is the essence of that? I mean, what do people want to know about the program? So we have a guest on. We've had just about 98% of the cast members, right? So uh, we have a guest. We talk to them about their experience on the show, uh, about how, uh, you know, how they auditioned, what they read for, their background. Then me and Michael, we go through each episode. We started with episode one. We're now in season five. And we break down each episode scene by scene. And we talk about it. We talk about the acting. We talk about behind-the-scenes stuff that we remember. Uh, and so on and so on. Michael's much more technical than me. He wrote five episodes. He uh, talks about camera angles and shots. And I'm more about what was happening in the scene, you know. So Now, why do, uh, you, why do you think people are so interested 
um, 14 years after the program went off the air. What, what is it about The Sopranos that has captured the imagination of well, listen, millions of people? Bill, there's a lot of younger people watching it. That's why we did the podcast. There's a whole group of people, younger people in their 20s, college age, in their late 20s that were too young to watch it then. Their parents watched it. What It holds up perfectly. Besides the cars and the cell phones, it could have been written yesterday. I think Tony Soprano is a murderer. He's a cheater. He's a thief. Yet the audience rooted for him. I think people relate to him, his family. He's got the same problems as everyone else. It's coming at That's him every true. Week. My son, 17, is now watching The Sopranos. And I said, if you say any of the words that those guys say, you got to answer to me. See, I'm the real godfather here, Steve. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying to you? I never doubted you for a second. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm letting him watch it, but I don't want him to adopt the mannerisms. Now, interestingly enough, you, you play 180 degrees opposite character on Blue Bloods, which is, I think, the finest uh, written program on the air today. And the ensemble cast, just like The Sopranos, you guys are so good, every single one of them. Um, but I like the Blue Bloods better because uh, the police are heroes, generally speaking, in my mind, whereas I said the organized crime, they're evil. Now, when this you go out I, on this, go ahead, go ahead. This is what I like. When I was on The Sopranos, I would have fat, sweaty mobsters come to me and give me tips <laughs> on how to kill someone. I'm not kidding you. In a bar. Me and Michael were there. The guy told us how to strangle someone from behind. Dead serious. Right. At least well, on Blue Bloods, I have cops and detectives who I respect. I, I love cops. Uh, I respect totally. And they come up to me and they said, we love what you're doing, how you portray us. And I say, do you believe me as a detective? And when they say they do, that makes me extremely happy. Well, look, you're a good actor, Steve, and uh, everyone who's ever seen you in anything knows that. So I want people to go to TalkingSopranos.com, TalkingSopranos.com. You get the podcast. Steve's new book will be out. You can uh, get up to speed on that. And uh, we wish you the very best, as always, Steve. We'll see you when you get back to New York, I hope. Thank you, man. Good to see you. Go, Knicks. We had a good season. Good season. That's right. Coach of the year. The city really needed the Knicks this season, and they came through. So I'll see you in the fall at a Knicks okay. game. Okay. Now, this day in history, June 8th, 632 A.D., 632, Mohammed, the prophet, dies in Saudi Arabia. There he is. So he's believed to be 62 years old when he died. Most people say natural causes. Nobody really knows for sure. Mohammed was born in Mecca, humble origins, poor. He married a widow who had some assets at age 25, but he sold household goods. That's how he made his living. Then when he was about 45, he said he had a vision and the archangel Gabriel appeared to him and said, hey, God, Allah, wants you to be the prophet and spread the word. So Mohammed invented a new religion, Islam. And he went all over. But unlike Jesus, who was the driver behind Christianity, 
Mohammed's um, proselytization, his attempt to spread a new religion, was violent. All right, wars all over the place, subjugation all over the place. And to this day, that remains. The Taliban in Afghanistan, the best example. The mullahs in Iran. All right, a lot of violence. Now, um, there are more than 2 billion Muslims on the earth, and they are the majority in 51 countries. All of that because of the Prophet Muhammad, who died 1,389 years ago today. I bet you didn't know that, did you? We'll be back with the mail and a final thought on the Trump tour. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been delivering on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. Heroes who put their lives on the line to protect our country and our communities. Heroes like Bristol, Connecticut Police Sergeant Dustin DeMonte. After responding to a domestic violence incident, he sustained fatal gunshot wounds. He left behind his expectant wife and two children. Thanks to the generosity of people like you, Tunnel to Towers paid the mortgage on the DeMonte family home, lifting a financial burden. As his loved ones mourned the decorated officer's loss, they welcomed a miracle, the child he would never get to meet. So many families need your help. Please help America's heroes and their young families. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. 95 cents out of every dollar you donate goes to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Okay, let's get to the mail. John White, DeWitt, Michigan. As I watch the news showing all these attacks on white people, I can't help but think President Biden and his people are responsible when they tell citizens of color that they are oppressed and victims of white systemic racism. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Biden bears some responsibility to this crazy racial division that we're seeing. So does Barack Obama, who apparently denies it's even happening. You know, I mean, I I can't tell you how disappointed I am in, in President Obama by today, because I know him, and he's always been rational with me. I disagreed with a lot of the things that he did. He is a quasi-socialist, and I disagree with that. But I didn't see him. But now, mm. Jeffrey Greenwald, Cincinnati, Ohio. Bill, could you please explain how President Biden's push for global minimum tax rate is legal? Why would it be illegal? Biden wants all the countries in the world, the developed nations, to tax corporations so that they don't move there from here when he applies the onerous taxation he's threatened to institute. That's what he wants. Why would that be illegal? Now, the G7 say they're going to have a 15% corporate tax. That's far below what Biden wants here. So if you're a corporation, you're going to consider the EU. Or places like Uruguay in South America, where they don't tax corporations. So, you know, Biden's doing this because he knows the U.S. economy is going to suffer once he starts to punish the uh, corporations. Now, I believe the corporations should pay. They should. But it's not what the media is reporting many, many times. Okay? It's not. 
each tax thing is different. I run three corporations. I pay everything that I'm required to pay. But I know each of my corporations is different. Gary Gundlach, Dayton, Nevada. Bill, I've read A Killing Patent. I am currently reading Killing England. I appreciate learning the behind-the-scenes history and factual information. It's given me a new understanding of how tyranny can threaten our world. Through your books and broadcasts, I consider you to be our modern-day Patrick Henry with your slogan, Stand Up for Your Country. I wear my hat proudly. Well, I appreciate that, Gary. Uh, Patrick Henry, give me a liberty or give me death. Uh, the governor of Virginia, um, a very, very patriotic man. And I'm sure they find fault with him down in uh, the Commonwealth, but he, uh, he helped forge this country. Jimmy Jones, New Brunfels, Texas, in the Hill Country. Bill, give me a break. All right. Jimmy, I'll give you a break. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Why should Disney have to lower their theme park prices so poor people can attend? Pre-COVID, the parks are packed year-round. Let the market decide. Look, Disney can charge whatever it wants. But don't give me this oppressed people business if you're Disney when you don't care about the oppressed people at all. Jimmy? All right, they can charge whatever they want. But... All I'm hearing from Disney is, oh, America's a bad country. It's bad. We suppress poor people here. We are unfair to them. Meantime, couldn't there be a day of the week where working families got a special rate? Couldn't there be a special discount card for Disney? Couldn't it be any of that? So the kids whose parents don't have much money could get in? Jimmy? Come on. Give me a break. And Jimmy, I'm not mad at you, by the way. I'm just debating you. Karen Weeks, Sierra Vista, Arizona. Hey, Bill, regarding Holly, what made you decide on a corgi? I didn't know a corgi from a German shepherd until my son, age 10, started demanding a corgi a few years back. All right. Little did I know that although the dog is as cute as you can get, the dog sheds. And I know I've said this before. I know I'm whining, but you have no idea. But it's worth it. Holly the Terror Dog is worth it. Pam, Bill, I'm looking forward to your tour with Donald Trump. Living in Houston uh, will be a benefit. Thanks for putting it together. Well, we hope to see you at the Toyota Center on the 18th of December. Um, show's going to be a blast, I hope. I know I'm going to be interested, I, and I think the president's going to answer the questions. That's the key to it all. Brad, concierge member, I mean, Brad gets direct access to me. Terrific gift for Father's Day for dad or granddad. Concierge membership to BillOReilly.com. You get a signed book with that. Bill, you are the right man for the job to interview President Trump. What a great opportunity to record the truth for all to witness. That's how I see it. And remember, we are going to videotape everything. And you guys are the only ones going to see it. Okay? So BillOReilly.com has control. Now, the Trump people have the archives as well. But they don't do a daily program like I do. So uh, we're going to take selected stuff in a lot of capacities, different capacities. That's why being a premium and concierge member and watching the No Spin News every night becomes very, very important, I think. Quentin, great news. 
We'll be in Houston on December 18th to see you and the president. What a great Christmas gift for our grandchildren. What a nice thing to do, Quentin. And thinking ahead, this is a tremendous Christmas gift. Um, and I'll give you the dates again in a moment uh, for anybody. And even Father's Day gift, because tickets go on sale Monday. And if you're a premium or concierge member, you can buy them on Thursday. You get the best seats. And we're doing that for you. Cindy, concierge member, I really don't understand why countries like Japan, India, and China did not create a vaccine as quickly as we did here in the USA. Cindy, they couldn't. We have the best scientists here. We have the best capitalistic system. Donald Trump made a deal with Pfizer and the other pharmaceutical companies, and the deal was they would get billions if they did it at a certain time. That is going to be one of the main things that I talk about on the tour with President Trump. How did you do this in seven months? It's a miracle. But the other countries in the world, they could not do it. UK came close, but their vaccine still problematic. Not ours. Okay? We're doing really, really well with ours. So that's how it all happened. Capitalism and brilliance. American ingenuity and brilliance. Okay. So um, the 20th is Father's Day. But June 10th is the last day for signed books for dad and granddad. All right? Because... I got to sign so many and I'm flattered, but I just can't do it. So if you want them signed, June 10th is the date. We got the stand up for your country chef's apron. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to wear it. I'm going to wear it. I barbecue a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty bad, but maybe the apron will help me. Um, and then we have all kinds of great deals on our books. So you buy this, you get that, you know, just check it out on BillOReilly.com in the store. Word of the day, do not be scurrilous when writing to us. It's Bill at BillOReilly.com. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Name and town if you wish to opine from anywhere in the world. In a moment, the final thought, reaction to the Trump tour. Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt. A billion. Whether you're in the hole for $10,000 or $10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. All right, let's wrap things up with the final thought. So I was not very surprised that the corporate media blacked out all mention of the tour, the history tour with Donald Trump. They don't want him to have any forum at all. That's what you see on social media. They want to black him out. They fear him so much. They don't want people to see or hear Donald Trump. So, Associated Press, no mention. Reuters, no mention. Fox News, no mention. CNN, 
no mention. NBC, CBS, ABC, no mention. Nothing. Total blackout. That's a pretty big story. Okay. Now, Newsmax did mention. Okay. And Drudge mentioned. And uh, a number of the websites did. Um, of course, they, some of them were very nasty. But, uh, you know, I expect it. New York Post Cindy Adams broke the story, and we appreciate her very, very much. Um, but what this comes down to is a total censorship by the corporate media of Donald Trump. They fear that he may arise. Now, I didn't do this tour because of that. I did the tour because I want to get on the record what exactly happened inside the Trump White House. That's why I did it. So on BillOReilly.com, our website visitors up 72% yesterday, 72%. Our Facebook page up 1,000%. So you can see how once people hear about it, they're coming to BillOReilly.com. And, of course, we're going to tell you about it. All right. So that's the surge, a thousand percent on our Facebook engagements. So, again, I'll put it up on the screen, please. We'll be um, in Sunrise, Florida. That's Lauderdale BB&T Center, December 11th, December 18th, Toyota Center, Houston, Texas. Next night, December 19th, Dallas American Airlines Center. And we will have another show to announce very shortly. We're working on that for the 12th of December. It's going to be in the southeast someplace, I believe. And these things are very hard to uh, negotiate because we have the NBA, we have the National Hockey League, we have concerts, you know, every group in the world, they were starving for a year and a half. So Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, everybody's going out. So we are playing these arenas and we have to get the good dates for you. Now, if the president likes the four shows, I've got 20 more all over the country, but we can't go to Portland, Oregon. And I'm sorry, I'd like to go to Portland, Oregon. But we can't go to crazy places. San Francisco. Can't go to San Francisco. Can't go to crazy places. All right? But we will spread it out so everybody will get an opportunity to see us. And once again, premium membership um, gets you advance sale beginning on Thursday for the Trump tour on BillOReilly.com. Okay? So that's it. Um, I hope you enjoyed the No Spin News this evening. And we'll see you tomorrow.